0: Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. Short series. Uh, it may end today, or it may end next week. I haven't quite landed in a place yet, um, but we're going through this short series in response to the political environment that we are seeing in the world today, in in our country, and uh, and what is how, how is the church supposed to engage in these things? How is the church supposed to? And I don't like to use the word react. Um, React is, is just that. It's, it's kind of a knee-jerk thing. But but to respond, uh, we have become a divided country, politically. And uh, we've become hyper-politicized. And it, it's, it's a bit unsettling. Um, there are no more... It, it seems that there's no more political disagreements and a desire to come to some type of, of comprom- compromise within those uh, disagreements uh, it, it seems politically we have become a society of of hatred, and we both uh, we seem to demonize both sides of the aisle uh, we We blame everything that 's wrong on on the others and in that, I, I do believe that as a country as a people we 're suffering for that and and it 's not a healthy place to be, and we will continue to suffer um, if things continue the way they 're going i 'm not sure. I don't, I don't know if they're going to get better or not. Only God knows those things. Um, there has been a lot of very unhealthy change that has that taken place. And there's ideologies out there that just, I scratch my head and I'm just like, oh, really? Um, and, and I don't fully understand um, what all people, both sides, are, are actually thinking. Now, with that said, the scripture tells us that we are to be subject to... Those authorities, those civil authorities. We looked at, at Titus last week. That God has set these authorities up over us. And, and it includes civil authorities. It includes our national leaders. Those that are elected to govern our country. And so people who create legislation, people who are creating those, those laws way up here. What the scripture says is we are to be subject to them. And I would add the caveat of as long as they don't lead us to a place of ungodliness. As long as they don't lead us to a place that we are going against the word of God. And that includes local laws. Things that we have to deal with in our in our own towns. Local authorities. I think of a big one is, is speed limits. That we are called to be subject to those and building codes and, and state taxes and federal taxes as long as those things those laws are not leading us to a place of going against what the word of god tells his church and how what the word of god tells the church on how to live even if we disagree with them even if we think you know the, the speed limit here it shouldn't be 25 it should be 50 no it's 25 I told the story of honoring God with our feet. But Paul also wrote to Titus in, in that chapter 3 that, that we were looking at last week that we are not, we're not to slander. We're to be peaceable. We're to be gentle with all people. We'll be ready to do good. And it seems very different from the culture that we see. If you watch the news, both sides, both networks that, that you may want to watch, there's this bombasting of name-calling slandering and, and, and just downright meanness. But what the church is called to be different, the church is called to, to live differently. We're not to get caught up in those controversies and arguments and those quarrels that we see everybody else getting caught up in. This is what the word of God tells the church that we would be noticed for the way that we're living differently. The world knows all about backbiting and, and uh, name calling. And by living differently, especially in the society that we have today, we will bring a credibility to the gospel message because we are living in accordance with what the word of God says. It's very difficult to go out and tell people, love thy neighbor, you jerk. It doesn't quite fly. And so we're called to live differently. And we bring light to the gospel. But I don't want us to be naive because there's a lot that takes place in our culture and our society today that goes against the word of God. There is a lot that, that's, that's, that's prevalent in our society and, and it's, it's moving away from biblical truths. And, and I get it. I, I understand it. I, I've always said that you can't expect non-Christians to submit to the authority of the scripture of the word of God. Because they won't. The only way that that's possible is by the power of the Holy Spirit transforming someone. And that's how we are able to submit, imperfectly I will say, but submit to God's word. But we seem to be moving away from what I believe, even basic moralities uh, that that are within the scripture. And as we move away from them, what I'm noticing is that we are now enacting laws that protect those immoralities according to what the Word of God says. And it's a, very, it's a, it's a tough place for the church to be. If you've been watching the news this week, um, you will see that abortion now has taken front and center in the political debate in, in, in on you know, on all the news, and and I've done some research over the things that have kind of been um, brought to the surface. I looked into exactly what the New York law um, actually says, and and, and how uh, you know what what how this is going to change things. I wanted to get, I wanted to look beyond politics. I wanted I wanted something that was unpoliticized, and it's very hard to find something that way because because we just we're just living this hyper politicized country, but you can find things if if you look. Now, I want to say this. I am pro-life, okay? And if you were to ask our church, our position is pro-life, and that's not a political position. It's a biblical one, I believe. It has nothing to do with politics. In fact, we as a church support Hope Pregnancy Center, and so each quarter— we send them between $1,600 and $2,000 for their ministry right here in Cheshire. Now, Hope Pregnancy Center is a pregnancy center, and they are biblically based. They, they share the gospel with the women that come in, uh, in. They call it a crisis pregnancy, I believe. These women come in, um, and they need help. And what this pregnancy center does is it provides, this is very important now, it provides resources for these women so they can choose life. It's not just telling them, this is wrong, you should do things this way. It actually comes alongside them and it, and it gives them the things that they need to, to move through this pregnancy for the, for, the, for the good of the baby. And so, as a church, we support them. Uh, we support them by tithing to them. We believe as a church that people uh, within the community should tithe. That's 10% of your income should go to the local church, back to God through the local church. And each quarter... Whatever comes in, no matter what, we take 10% of that and we divide it up between three ministries. We divide it up between, a third goes to uh, Hope Homes in Kenya. A third goes to Children's Rescue Mission in Honduras. And a third of that goes to Hope Pregnancy Center right here in Cheshire. Because they're supporting, they're doing good work at that center. And as just a, just a human being, uh, I'm, I'm saddened by what the law says in New York. That, that has come down. Um, I'm saddened by what the words of the governor of Virginia. And what they're trying to legislate um, there. Uh, I'm saddened that, that you know, we have legalized abortion. And, it, and made it easy. Um, because I do believe that law. And there's many others. That law violates the word of God. And so as Christians we t- should take a stand against that. Not from a political point of view. But from a biblical point of view. We should take a stand. But what I find is that sometimes we get caught up in the way the world does things. And we begin to build our foundation of that stand upon the wrong thing. Because, because the foundation of anything is very, very important. And so we can get caught up in the trap of building our stand upon a foundation of politics. And if we've gone in that direction for anything, if that's our foundation, then we've made a mistake. Because that foundation at best is faulty and wiggly and it will not last. We are called to make and to make our stand, to build our foundation on the word of God. Like I said last week, politics is important. I believe that, that Christians are called to be politicians. Some have been called to that, to, to engage and enter in that process, to to help make Um, laws and legislation that has a foundation within a biblical principle. I'm not talking about legislating to make sure people live like Christians or, or become Christians, because that's not what our country is built on. Our Constitution says that we have a freedom to express religion, even if we believe that religion is wrong. And so people have that freedom. But we can take biblical principles, which I believe are the best way to live, and as Christians entering into the political conversation and also entering into politics as as an occupation, as a calling, then they can take those principles and put them forth. And they can live those in the political environment. Can you imagine a politician who doesn't lie? But we must start, we must, every Christian must start with the word of God is our foundation. And we build from that. Anything else is a mistake. And I want to read you, uh, we're going to spend most of our time this morning. It's in Psalm 146. And this is what the psalmist writes. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I will sing praise to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And so here is a very short 10 verse Psalm, where we as the church, no matter what issue no matter what thing that we're dealing with in our lives, we can come and begin to build a foundation because this is the foundation we should build off of. This is the foundation that we can stand firmly upon and move forward in a direction that brings people with us, not alienates them. Allow the gospel to alienate and not the way you present the gospel. Be light to the darkness. The world has enough of of meanness and anger and hatred, but we can bring joy, love, and peace with the truth if we stand upon these words and the words throughout this whole book as our foundation. And he comes right out of the gate. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. You know, sometimes I think we forget the power that is in praising our God. The power and and, and the tool and the weapon that it really is to praise the Lord. As Jesus followers, we have this at our disposal that we can lift the name of our God. We're invited to do this, to praise his name as individuals and, and as the church. And by, by doing that, we put, we put darkness on notice that light is going to shine and overcome that darkness. Look at it through throughout the scripture. We see this over and again. Second Chronicles, the high places, however, were not removed, and the people still had not... That's the wrong one. But anyway, it talks about <laughs> praising God, and those high places are coming down because of the way they lifted the name of the Lord. Jehoshaphat, when he was sent out uh, to, to come against uh, this, this, these armies... And he doesn't even send out his warriors. He sends out the worship team. And the worship team goes out praising God. And God, he, he scrambles the brains of these armies and they attack each other. And they're defeated. And Israel doesn't even have to lift a finger. They worshipped and praised the Lord their God. In Acts, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose when the church when we as individuals and i'm talking about praising i'm just i'm not talking about just a sunday morning gig i'm talking about making praise part of your lifestyle each and every day that when we as individuals and when we come together as a community when we lift the name of our lord on high The power of God manifests itself. And we can see miracles happen. All they did was praise God in jail. Singing hymns. An earthquake came. And the doors flew open. How amazing. How amazing is that. From praising the Lord. When we as individuals and we as a church. When we praise God. It reminds us. It, it, uh, it deepens our understanding and our knowledge of just how amazing God is. When we sing about his love, when we sing about his, his joy and his mercy and his grace, that we, we come before him in his presence. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives your sins, heals your disease redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. These are the things that that come to us as believers when we praise God. And it renews us and it strengthens us. You will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy and your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And then Psalm 63, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. This is about praising God. This is the, the benefit that we have as a church of praise. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And you see in Scripture over and over again, God moving in the praise of his people. And, and I'm always been, I've always been perplexed when I've heard people say that, you know, I, uh, I didn't get anything out of worship today. And I think, my goodness, that's because it's not about us. It's about Him. And we praise him not to get from him. We praise him because he's worthy of our praise. He's the only thing worthy of our worship. And to go in thinking, I need to get something out of this. We've placed our, we placed our affections on the wrong thing. We've placed it on me. I I need something out of this. Now, I will say that, that when we come with the attitude of God, you are worthy to be praised no matter what. Even if I've walked into this room dry and I leave dry, you are still worthy for me to lift up your name and praise you. And even if we get nothing out of it, he is still worthy. But yet, over and again throughout the scripture, we see that those who will humble themselves before the Lord our God and lift his name, there are enormous benefits, physical, emotional, and spiritual See, the writer, the writer of, of the psalm gets it. He says, I'm going to praise God. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise his name for his love and his mercy and his grace. Praise the name for his power, and strength. Praise, the name for, praise his name for the, the sacrifice of Jesus that we, no matter what we have done, No matter the the depth of our darkness, that we can be forgiven and stand clean, redeemed, sanctified before the living God who is worthy of our praise. Woo! That we're invited. He longs for us to return home to him in the no matter what, this is our God. This is who is worthy to be praised. And so the writer starts out the foundation of of what we Christians need to build everything on, and that is that is praise, praising God. And then he goes on, and he, he begins to admonish the people. It says this in, in uh, Psalm 146. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come nothing. He's talking about leaders, princes, people in charge, people have authority, people have power. See, even then, even those people, they are like each and every one of us, every one of us, no matter if you're president of the United States, president of the world or or you are just living in a one-room apartment trying to make it day by day, we, all of us, will stand before the living God. Yes. And we are all broken, and we all have issues, and we all make mistakes. Ultimately, the cross just kind of levels the playing field. It doesn't matter how high up you've climbed in the ladder of life. Our fate is the same, at least in the context that we will stand before God, and we will be judged. See, all of our days here, they're temporary. All of them. Nobody lives forever. And yet, as we go through this life, really, ultimately, we have two choices to make. We can either put all of our trust in people, or we can put all of our trust in God. And if we're honest. I would probably say that we spend. Just as much time. Maybe even more. Trusting people. Than we do God. And in part we have to trust people. I trust my wife Sandy. 100%. And, and I believe I should. I should. But she is not my ultimate trust. We're called to trust our politicians that run our country. In fact, we're called to be subject to their authority. That's what the scripture says. But we don't get to slander. We don't get to to make those rants on Facebook. We don't, you know, people aren't going to change their mind. They're just going to aggravate. And we are going to harm the message that the church wants to give. We we trust the news to tell us what's going on. We trust our doctors to tell us what's wrong with us. We trust our financial planners with our finances. We trust pastors and priests with care of our souls. We trust our time. We trust our money. We trust our own energy to get us through daily life, which hopefully will get us through our entire life. I mean, it's okay. We have to place some trust in some things, but ultimately, all of those things will fail if we trust them ultimately. See, like, if if again, we're going to be honest, and I know I get it, being honest in church can be difficult, but if we're going to be honest, how much do we pray about the big decisions in life, let alone the little day-to-day things that we come across in our lives? How often do we go to the Lord and spend some time before we make that choice, before we make that decision? See, if we don't expect God to run our daily lives, then we will not submit our daily lives to him. If we don't look at him as our ultimate trust, if we don't look at him and praise him, which turns our focus from us onto him, then we're not going to submit to him. We're not going to submit to his way. We're not going to submit to his power, his strength. The psalmist is, is saying, listen, don't, don't ultimately put your trust in people and legislation and, and laws and things. Because it, it's, not, it's not going to last. The fate of our presidents and our great leaders is the same as ours. And everything that we've done in life. Everything will one day, and it may take a long time. We may get our name in history books, but ultimately those history books will be forgotten generation after generation after generation. All the things that we have, have um, amassed, all of our stuff will probably end up one day in a, in a trash heap or burns because it's just all temporary. And even the, th- even the good things we have done eventually we will be forgotten for them. And I'm not trying to be a Denny Downer. I'm just stating the facts of, of life. And so we're called We're called to put our faith and we're called to put our trust in God who never changes, who will never fail, who is always faithful. That's the foundation of everything. It should be the foundation of everything in our lives. Too often we, we put our trust in things that are perishable, and we forget about the one who is eternal, and he comes in second place. There's this, this tension that I have found. Um, you can't legislate the word of God. You you, you can't make you can't legislate uh, morality. Now, I know we try, and we do it to different, we get different degrees of success. But ultimately, it's not a legal thing, it's a heart thing. And only God changes the human heart. I mean, look at our, look at our jails. They're, they're, they're filled with people who broke the law. God's word says, don't murder. Our laws say, don't murder. And yet, our jails are, jails are filled with people who murder. God's word says don't steal. Our laws say don't steal. And yet prisons are filled with people who steal. And it can go on and and on and on and on. In fact, I will bet you, I will bet you this morning, right here, sitting in this church, there is someone who on their way to church was doing 45 and a 25. You broke the law. And we're called to submit ourselves to those laws. You lawbreakers. You can't legislate the word of God. You can't legislate morality. And the problem is if we, the church, put our trust in our leaders and our government to do those things Ultimately, it falls apart and it fails because the only thing that changes anybody is the heart. And the only one that can change the heart is the power of God. It's good that we have laws. It is. It's good that there are things that say you shouldn't do this and and those things are okay. But that cannot be where we start as the church. That cannot be our foundation. The word of God has to be our foundation. The psalmist continues in verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord. Blessed are those who trust God ultimately. Blessed are those who put their hope in God, who look to him for the things that they need. The world isn't going to change with better laws, better policies, better leaders. It, it, it's not. There, there's always going to be an ebb and flow from, from good and bad. There's, no matter who's in charge, no matter who the president is, no matter what, um, what party is in control of what state, there's always going to be ebb and flow. There's always going to be good things and bad things. In fact, there are good things and bad things on both sides of the aisle. The world will change when the, when the church us, when we stop talking about religion and we start living the gospel, the world is going to change. The world is going to change when we, the church, we stop grumbling about Democrats and Republicans. We stop throwing blame about who has got us into whatever situation we're in. And the church starts living into the truth of, hey, look what Jesus has done for us. And look what Jesus wants to do for you. See, The world isn't going to change until the gospel stops being just a Sunday morning event and becomes a passionate way of living life. Passionate way of living life. Then the world begins to change because it's not us doing the changing, but it's the kingdom of God breaking down the darkness, making light shine when God's people Live into his word. Now, the psalmist continues on. He's describing God here. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. So unlike humans, people, who are here one minute and gone the next, and, and I mean that in the eternal sense, God is forever. God is eternal. He has had no beginning. He will not have an end. He is sovereign over all of his creation. That means that nothing happens outside of God knowing it, allowing it, willing it, or whatever part of the theological debate you want to land on. But God is God over everything. Nothing slips by him. He has created everything that we see, everything. He's created each and every person. He's the God of justice. He's the God of righteousness. He is the God that will, will, will um, battle for the oppressed. He lifts those up who are bowed down. He gives food to the hungry. He sets prisoners free. These are characteristics of God as they're manifesting themselves in our physical reality in the world. This is who God is. This is how it looks when God is doing and moving. Now, now watch this. You ready? Watch this now. No, really, watch this. Okay, here we go. Ephesians. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's character, God's nature have always been, and He has called us to then manifest that character and that nature in the world. And then the Philippians, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill his good purposes. And so those things about justice and feeding the poor and, and lifting those who are bowed down and, 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 and loving righteousness, those things, his good purposes, he lives in each one of us then to do those things in the world. We have been empowered to do that, to live that way, because our foundation needs to be in Christ, and Christ alone, the word of God. And then from there, all things are possible. The world can change if we live the purpose and the will of God. And so we no longer need to ultimately trust people. But we trust God. And I will say this, that trusting God is much better. And, and here's why. Um, people are always going to disappoint you. They will. Um, if I haven't offended or disappointed you, stick around. It's coming. And I, and I and, and, you know it know sounds a little goofy, but it's true. I'm just a man. And I got issues and flaws, and I know it's hard to believe, but I just want to come clean. When we put our trust ultimately in people, we will be disappointed. But when we trust God in everything, then those disappointments, they don't, they don't grind against us as bad. They don't hurt us as much because we know that God is in control, even when things feel out of control. God is in control even when it looks like things are going to get out of control. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so people, people make horrible gods. But our God is the ultimate of gods. Powerful. Full of love and mercy. Slow to anger. Rich in love. Blessed are those who put their hope in him for the betterment of the world. We have been created to make a difference. But the foundation of that difference needs to be the word of God and our ultimate trust in him and nothing else. And from there, that's the springboard into the darkness because we possess the light of God. And each and every one of you who have professed your faith in Jesus Christ, you now have been illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you have the power to push back darkness no matter where you see it. That is our foundation. Years and years ago, um, there was a a speaker that came to the church I was um, part of pastoring, and he told a very interesting story. Now, this guy has—he's um, adopted like nine kids or something like that. He's, he's got a tribe, and um, he tells a story about a young girl who was pregnant, a teenager, and with her mom, um, she was going to um, to have an abortion, and she was going to a clinic. And um, of course, as she's she's going there, she can see all the picketers and the protesters. A lot of them were Christian, saying hurtful and hateful things, yelling at her as she's you know they can't they there there's a, a barrier where they can't come so far in they have to stay out at a certain distance, but going through those people who are just saying hurtful, hateful things to this young girl, I don't whether or not it was her fault or not it doesn't matter and 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 she she enters in and she's just Blown away at how people have hated her and treated her just in those moments. And uh, there's a woman, there's a Christian who is watching this. And for whatever reason, this woman goes around to the back. And again, she can, she can only get so close. But not too long after that mom and young girl went into, the, into that clinic, uh, they came out the back door because that girl decided that it, she wasn't going to do it at that time. And that woman, that woman, as she came, as she approached, this mom and this girl thought they even found us out the back door. I believe the mom told the girl, just prepare yourself. Don't look, just walk by. And this woman stopped them and said, if you will keep this baby, I will do everything in my power to help you. I will, I will pay for your doctor visits. I will pay for everything. I will, I will give you money so that you can raise this child, whatever you need, if you're willing to allow this child to live. And Rob tells that story, or the guy tells that story because uh, he adopted that young boy. That mom made the decision. But she made that decision, why? Because one woman, One woman decided to show the love of God to her. One woman decided to live the gospel and come alongside and help and not judge and condemn with hatred and saved one life. How much more, how much more we can do each and every one of us, if we live out the gospel each and every day. You know, I've, I've, I've heard so many times people ask, why would God let that happen? People have gone and, and prayed, God, why would you let that happen? And, and sometimes I do believe that's a good question to ask. But other times, I wonder if God doesn't look down at us and just shake his head and go, why would you let that happen? We put our hope and our trust in the Lord, our God. He is our firm foundation. If we build upon anything else, it's like building upon sand. And when the storms of life hit, those foundations will be washed away. But those who will trust in the Lord, their God, build their house on the, on the rock of solid ground. And when the storms of life come, they will not be shaken. And so, Father, I pray that we would, as your church, forget about the hurtfulness in this world. No, I'm sorry. That we would not take part in the hurtfulness of this world. That we would no longer talk about being Christian, but that we would live as followers and disciples of Jesus. That we would love. That we would direct people to forgiveness and wholeness. That we would be your ambassador. That when people look at us, they would see your son. That we would stand firm on your principles and on your word. But we would do so in love and grace and mercy. Knowing that we too have been saved from a whole lot of things. And that we have no place, no place to consider ourselves perfect. But by our faith in your son, we have been given the righteousness. Of Christ and without him we we are nothing I pray that we would always remember that that without your son we are nothing and now I pray that pray that we would kind of leave this place and we would um, we would live the gospel that you would show us those places where we have built a foundation upon sand and we would scrap all of that and we would build upon the rock of your word. We'd build the rock upon the rock of your son and we would be able to stand firm in the no matter what. Love you. We do praise you. Thank you giving us, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. It's in his name that we come before you. Amen. Amen. Amen.